0: Hello, and welcome to the Folk Music Podcast. My name is Anders, and I'm very happy to present the sixth episode of the show. In this episode, I'm joined by Swedish percussion player Jens Linnell, and this is a conversation that I've been looking forward to for some time now. Jens is, in addition to being a great musician, a very thoughtful person with a lot of interesting opinions on music and life, so um, I knew that he would make for a great guest on the show. Now, something to note about this episode is that it is actually recorded in person, which was a great experience for me, having done the previous five episodes via the internet. And I have to say, it is a big difference actually being in the same room as the person that you're speaking with. Now, uh, we were able to record this episode at Riksen, which is a great folk music venue in Oslo. So, shout out to Riksen for all the good work that you're doing for the folk music community. Now, I also decided to film the whole episode, so there will be a video version available on YouTube, Um, this is something that I want to do more of in the future whenever I'm able to record episodes in person like this. Now as a result of these circumstances, this episode has a bit of a raw feel to it, I think. Since we recorded in the same room and filmed the whole thing, I couldn't really do as much editing as I'm used to, and I pretty much just left the whole conversation as it was recorded. So this is the longest episode this far, I think, but uh, we touched on many interesting topics, including the role of uh, percussion in Scandinavian traditional music, the importance of the relationship between music and dance, and also what it means for a drummer to identify as a folk musician today. We also spoke about the Folk Music Academy, which is a super exciting project that Jens is launching together with uh, Norwegian fiddler Olav Mjelva. that's definitely something to watch out for. Okay, so um, now that I've set the stage, so to speak, here is my
1: conversation with Jens Linnell.
0: Okay, so I'm here with uh, Jens Linnell. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Such a such a pleasure.
0: So um, this is episode six of the podcast, mm. and um, it is the first one that I'm conducting in person, uh, which is a great feeling. I mean. Um, we're living in the future, basically, with the internet and 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 all that stuff. So um, it's amazing that I can speak with people all over the world via Skype and things like that. But there's still something quite different about like an in-person conversation. Oh yeah, I'm
1: I miss a real conversation. As yeah. we I, all do these things. I actually, for me, I discovered the the one thing that makes like Zoom calls or Skypes really hard uh, is that I can't. Look into your eyes, eyes at the same time as yeah, you're I, looking into mine. I
0: noticed that as well. Like, <laughs> so sometimes I try to like deliberately look at the camera.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which also feels very weird. <laughs> so if you look at the camera, I can look at your eyes on my screen, but then my eyes are on the screen and not on the camera, so yeah. you can't see my. So it's like ah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So maybe in the future they will invent some kind of technology that like combines the camera and the screen. I don't know something like that.
1: Yeah, they have to. They have to do better. <laughs> Come on, Google.
0: <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's great to be here in person We're actually at Riksen in Oslo Which is a really great folk music venue in oh, Oslo yeah.
1: yeah, very important
0: Quite an, a unique place really And they were very kind to allow us to, to do the interview here um, So, um, when I decided that I wanted to make this podcast um, some months ago I knew that I wanted to have you on eventually oh. Because uh, oh, I think nice. you have a lot of interesting things to say about folk music in general. and
1: Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we'll see.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it'll be. Time, time will tell. But um, like uh, you, you have many hats, but uh, you're a percussion player.
1: Yeah, that's my sort of main, main gig. Main gig, yeah.
0: So I would like to talk about uh, percussion, the history or, or sort of the role of percussion in maybe Scandinavian music most of all, but maybe even like just folk music. Yeah, um, absolutely. And how it kind of differs from the role of percussion in, say, pop and and music that most people are used to listening to.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I also want to touch on one of your newest projects, which is the Folk Music Academy. Yeah. Which uh, is a really really cool thing. But before we go into any of that, maybe you could just quickly introduce yourself to to those of the listeners who aren't familiar with your work already, so we kind of know where you're coming from with all this.
1: Yeah. So my name is Jens Linnell, and I'm uh, uh right now I'm 37 years old and I started playing drums uh when I was around 7 8 years old so actually around 30 years now uh and it's it's sort of um my dad is a musician a guitarist a trained classical guitarist actually okay in oh. in Trondheim really of all places, but uh, he has been, uh, his main occupation has been a music teacher for all these years. And he's a, an amazing music teacher. Uh, I decided earlier that I would not become a music teacher. And now I am a music teacher. <laughs> <There you laughs> go. That was my education. <laughs> uh, so I, I really love teaching music as well. And I learned a lot from my dad, Tommy. Uh, and I've been into folk music, uh, are for around 20 years almost. Um, and I can go a bit d- deeper on, on, on wh- how I got started and stuff. But uh, like as a brief overview, I've been um, playing uh, in different bands. Uh, my sort of uh, main band is Sver, which is a Norwegian Swedish sort of. How do you describe it? Yeah, (laughs) epic Nordic folk is our... That's a pretty good description. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, these days we um, tour mostly actually outside Scandinavia, mostly Mm. in the States and and Europe. But But just to backtrack a bit, did you start in some other
0: genre of music before you transitioned into folk music? Yeah,
1: uh, absolutely. When I started playing drums, I didn't really... I, I didn't even know that there was different genres of music. No. <laughs> I just like uh, uh, my my dad was working in the studio at his school and he let me into the, he was mixing in the control room and he just let me into the room mm-hmm. so I could join him for a couple of nights and he just let me into the, so the actual studio room. Cool. And I couldn't really get the synth to work and my dad was like occupied and I couldn't get to get, there was like chord guitars didn't sound that much it mm-hmm. was electrical g- guitars and then there was a drum kit and that had instant sound yeah and <laughs> instant like joy and happiness and well, this
0: was this was before the age of uh, like electronic drum kits uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so this was when i was uh in the, in the late 80s when i was yeah seven eight years old i guess no, seven actually and i had my first teacher at eight and i i played I thought I was really good at drums, and then I uh, sort of realized when I got to, uh, uh, when I started studying it uh, when I was around 16, that uh, I wasn't, (laughs) and I had a lot of ground to cover. Uh, Uh, So that was a a really, really important uh, moment for me was that I got into a music program uh, when I was uh, 16. Uh, from some, that goes from like sixteen, eighteen, nineteen years old, hmm. and during that time, a lot of things happened, um, and that sort of focused me into music more than than what mu- music had been for me before. Okay, so I got totally obsessed with practicing, and I I developed some sort of discipline for practicing. Then, when I was sixteen, that I still sort of can can go into. Mm. Uh, when I had the urge for it. And around the same time, yeah, 16, I, uh, I'm i from a, a village called Ransetter in Bermuda. I moved to Ransetter when I was 10. So I was born in Östersund up in Jämtland.
0: I'm not sure, did we mention that you're Swedish? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm Swedish. <laughs> Which <And> is <laughs> a neighboring
0: country to Norway? Yeah. Or uh, like. Big brother, anyway,
1: yeah. And I've been, I've been, so I'm from uh, Jämtland, which is on the west part of Sweden, very close to Norway. And we moved down to Värmland, which is also close to Norway. So there's always been some some kind of connection, Norwegian, Norwegian connection. Yeah, my dad was studying in Norway and stuff like that. So definitely. And and then uh, in there there. The, the, they moved to Sunde, but Vestana theater, or Vestana theater, a really, really great theater company mm. that combines folk dance, folk music, and uh, sort of folk uh, costumes, you could say. Uh, but w- w- they design their own. and the, It's this, really
0: amazing what they've managed to create there. Like, yeah, it's uh, tr- extremely around,
1: impressive. Yeah, around the St- uh, Stineboom family, so Leif, Magnus, and Inger, uh, they've done. And I... I uh, started out as, as a uh, technician. Oh, the really? first year they had uh, for not technician. Uh, that's uh, too too. That sounds too too. I, w- I was just running around and pulling ropes and putting clothes on people and oh, okay. uh, taking. Like a, care- like a stage technician. Yeah, st- uh, the, on the lowest part. And then <laughs> the next year, for some reason, I got into. Uh, I was a part of the band.
0: But did they have that big venue that they have these days? Yeah, like that, the big bar? yeah. That
1: was the first time that I I, I started playing there when they. The second year they had uh, that theater, a play called Cheisar in Portugalian. And for me, that was a very important moment when I, because then I've been in in school and I've been starting playing jazz. I thought Mm. that was really cool and it was like difficult music. And I played a lot of classical percussion, Mm. uh, marimba, and that was also like difficult and hard and really uh, cool to play. Mm. And then folk music for me, because in Ransat, we have a really big sort of fiddle gathering Mm. every summer in, in June. And also a, a cordon gathering in July. And I thought that was very, very geeky and weird. <laughs> uh, and I it didn't connect them with me at all. No. And then suddenly I did a project on my... My mom is also a teacher. She had a theater school in Mungfors. And she made a project with Westono okay. and her students. And then my mom... Uh, she just pushed me into that project. I was like, nah, I don't really," but yes, you are gonna do it, okay. and I will make sure you get even like school credits for it. Mm. And then uh, I was I tried to play, like, like a jambé or I can't even remember what kind of drum it was. With a polska, <laughs> I was like, "That's easy. It's just three, four... Yeah, maybe like a jazz vault or something. It's easy peasy. No problem. Mm. And it was like, it sort of failed instantly. I didn't even uh, understand that it was failing.
2: No. I was like told phase. that mm. it was failing.
1: Mm. I'm like, oh my, what? Okay. So there's, and, and then you, you feel really bad, but uh, it's like you, you come, you meet this uh, forest for the first time and mm. it's like, it's, very thick and you, you're not you're not you're not really sure if you want to enter the forest mm. I can fe- feel like that sometimes with different kinds of music that, it's, that you have to sort of get through something to understand what's what's in there sure and then see sort of, sort of the beauty of that type mm. of forest mm. and for me it. uh well I, I can definitely not say that I was like any kind of a musician at that point. I was just 16, 17 years old. So, But I, then at that point, I've been playing for around 10 years. Mm. And as most uh, teenagers, they think that they're like pretty good at everything. Mm. Uh, but with the folk music, I just couldn't do it. So eventually the only thing I could do well, with the help of Inger, she was like, Jens. Look at the, f- the, the 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 feet like it's it's a heartbeat like gong gong. Because in Sweden we stomp usually on three and one in the Polska, which is a three beat. So we usually stomp like one two three one. That was the only thing I could do first.
0: But did you have any other percussion players to get inspiration from, or was it you? You're only learning yeah. from fiddlers and. Uh, well,
1: at, at at that point. uh, uh a guy called Kribba uh, or Svensson, who who also worked at that theater, who later uh, also played in Harv, mm. a really good uh, group, a Swedish band, um, and so he he was uh, a part of the theater that year, and he showed me some things, and one of the most important things he showed me was so like how do you play gangar. Because they also play ganger, which is a type of dancing.
0: Yeah, it's a type of dance, right? yeah, dance-, a, type of
1: dance uh, a Norwegian type of uh, couple dance, that is, exists mostly on like the west southwestern part of mm. uh, and west part of Norway. And he said, like, you just do this, and like con 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 and then the first beat is the downbeat. Mm. And I was like,
2: what?
1: Because for me. That beat is a shuffle beat. I learned that when I was yeah, eight. Yeah, like, you, you, you used use a back, da, back da, beat. Da,
0: like, da, da, mm. So it's da, the
1: opposite. Da, and it's sort of op- opposite. And like, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm not sure. And so for me, that was like a uh, really amazing moment because I could connect that with some African music because at the same time, I played a lot of African drums, drumming. Or African is not the correct. I, I was playing um, music from... Uh, uh, from uh, Mostly from Senegal mm. uh, through a, uh, and, and from the west coast, like the western part of, of Africa. Uh, and in some of those rhythms, you had that sort of beat that you did, usually like on a bell, mm. that had like a
2: kink, kink, king, kink, kink, king, 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 king,
1: king, So for me, it was like a connection to that music mm. uh, and then the, the Norwegian Gangaren that always happens to me when I listen to rhythms. Like I connect them with other stuff that I have in my, that I've heard. And I guess everybody does that. And that's a way to sort of, uh, see if you, what, wha- how you know, how can you sort of, you can listen to a rhythm, but everybody will hear it differently because of their hmm. background. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So, so for, for some persons, uh, uh, um, a springer sounds like oh that's a that's a tele I might say. I no, not that's actually this telespringer from Tin by this player. Might some someone else can hear that. Mm. And then if you're uh, from uh, I don't know Tunisia, it's like someone is playing fiddle.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so, that's kind of like so the context uh, of of your previous knowledge obviously, all all uh, sort of guides uh, and. Uh, projects itself upon your listening, I think, also.
0: I mean, I had similar experiences with folk music as you had in the beginning, even though, like, I got into it way later than you, in my mid-twenties, basically. Uh, and but by that point, I had done a lot of music in, like, jazz and pop, and I had a lot of, like, musical luggage. Uh, but when it came to folk music, first of all, I didn't understand it at all. As, as you said, like, someone is playing the Hardanger fiddle. was so everything I could hear. Yeah exactly and it's quite interesting like the it can be hard to perceive sometimes that other people are experiencing music so different from you
1: um but it's it's very very interesting i think that 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 fact that uh someone can hear a rhythm and a melody differently because they have a different uh sort of uh, culture mm. baggage uh, I, I could, and i i find that uh, very, very inspiring, but so, so, so there I was. Uh, I couldn't play, and because of the fact that I couldn't, I got really interested.
0: Yeah, it's like a challenge.
1: Yeah, and I'm still there. Mm. I mean, I now I've been playing this music for twenty years, and I feel most of the time that I st- still doesn't have a clue. I know some things that I, that helps me mm. that I can so I can play, but suddenly there's like a new little rhythmic because for me it's usually rhythmical cues. Mm. Um and I also started playing hardanger fiddle maybe 12 years ago so oh, cool. that uh, I can get into why and how uh, <laughs> when we get there but so so from that point I started working at this theater and I worked there during the summer for 3 years mm-hmm. at the same time as I went in, uh, went to school and uh, I I got to play with uh, some really amazing young folk musicians and uh, being guided by Magnus Dinebom and Leif Dinebom and, and and those guys was an incredible, uh, humbling experience mm. for for me. And, and to be a part of a, a a play that we played for, it was sold out every show, basically.
0: Yeah, it's really amazing what we've been able uh, to and, do there.
1: And it's, uh, so, so when I got back to school and it's like, you go and play like a jazz gig at a, a pub, it felt weird because <laughs> you didn't have like 450 people crying and and so yeah
0: it, and so you thought that folk music was like that so. <laughs> yeah I, I
1: guess so and and so so, 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 so cuz that was my start i didn't yeah. start in a like a log or a, anything no. like that so uh, so for me uh, even cuz my start was like in theater music mm. in in the meeting of folk music and theater music and at the same time those yes i also started seeking up and learning more about the music, of course, and uh, playing more folk music during the year, and, and going to fiddle gatherings, and, and actually mm. trying to, to learn more, absolutely. But the starting point was actually western, and I think because of that, I had this sort of uh, room awareness, or like a, 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 a theater perspective on how you perform music, and mm. I, I've kept that in a lot of my... Uh, I've been... Usually, the one pushing that in a lot of different projects uh, and bands, and and that has been with me uh, up to this day. Uh, so, what what are
0: you talking about specifically? Like uh,
1: uh, just awareness of the fact that when you do a concert, you're in a room. How yeah. can you use that and uh, working? I I like to work with people from the theater world, basically. Mm. So, in my I just finished, uh, to jump really fast forward to the present, I just finished a master's degree in uh, performance here on the, in the Music Academy here in, in Oslo, oh, Oslo. Yeah. Uh, just like two weeks ago and um, to, to really summarize it, the, that was like three different pieces and one piece was like playing solo fiddle music on drums mm. and then uh, how to to um, so make sure they, that you could dance to it. So dancing fa- part of the, the of the folk music was important. Mm. And then the sort of theater or uh, that sort of um, mindset of knowing the lights in the room, how uh, really thinking through the whole show. Yeah. So, so I worked with that. It's, it's a
0: visual experience just as well as a, as yeah. a, as a music experience.
1: So, so, and I got to work with Silje uh, Hålien as a dancer and she has been amazing and helped me a lot with the Valdres springa groove, mm. dancing and playing with her. And then uh, I had Otarkosa as a teacher and Håkon Høgmo, Helge Norbacken, and, uh, and others. And Kai Jonsson, a really good uh, director here in, for for theater here in, in Oslo. Also a professor at the uh, theater school uh, here in Oslo. So and he has helped me a lot with that sort of aspect of it. I think that that came from the start in Vestano. Yeah. and after a while in that journey, I I got into a, a school up in Bolnas, and I decided that I wanted to uh, learn the tambourine because I didn't know the tambourine. No, and I I had heard about I heard, of course, I had heard Hedniana, which was like one of the most famous bands in Sweden, and they started in the late 80s, and yeah. had, had their like hit album Kaxi, I think 92. Mm. So I, I knew about them and Magnus played with Hedningarna also. Magnus
0: Stinnebom. Yeah,
1: he started West playing Island. Yeah, he started playing with them in the late uh, 90s. And also uh, this drummer I talked about in the start, uh, Kribba, his is nickname, of and so he also started playing with Hedningarna. So they came around the theater sometimes and there was like, Really, like oh my god, <laughs> like starstruck <laughs> when I saw, the, like, Totten, ten, on so so it was, and 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 the the percussionist in that band he's uh, called Bjorn Tolin, mm-hmm. and he he yeah he stopped playing with them around 2000 I think it was. But his way of using a, a specific type of tambourine, was was what I wanted to. Learn, because Magnus knew a little bit about it, and he showed me a little bit, but not enough for me to sort of. Mm. So I went to that school, and I told my friends, "I'm gonna go up to Bolness for a year, and I'm gonna study tambourine." (laughs) What? How? In in? Sounds pretty lame. Yeah, you're gonna stand there for like a year, and you're like. (laughs) (laughs) But actually,
0: could we just go back a little bit and get back to the tambourine? Yeah because um for me when it comes to um percussion in traditional music especially like Scandinavian traditional music is that the music is uh, uh and I talked a little bit about this this with uh, Guro on, on the previous show as well the thing is this music is kind of created as a package you know it's like uh, most of it is fiddle music and it's kind of um evolved to stand on its own Absolutely, uh, and it's like uh, for this reason, there's like you have a melody, but there's also rhythm in the melody. There's a lo- lot of like subdivisions, and um, because it's made for dancing, right? So the melody is, itself has to contain rhythm, and it has to contain a catchy melody, um, hopefully. And all of the time, there's also like harmonic information baked into the tune itself as well. And I find that it can be hard to add something to that as an accompaniment or like a percussion player. Uh, It can be hard to add chords and rhythm to something that is already such a finished package, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. And and like in Norway, I'm I'm sure you will know more about this than me, but like in Norway and Sweden, we haven't had like a percussion tradition for that long in my knowledge. Um, So
1: I'm curious, like how would you approach this music as a percussion player? That's a really, really good question and one of my absolute favorite subjects. <laughs> <laughs> so i thought about it a lot. And uh, so what, well, I was talking about this forest that that I that sort of met when I understood I couldn't do it. Mm. I didn't understand the rhythms. And my how I heard the rhythms and then what I played, what I did uh, stopped the flow of the rhythm. For the melody player.
0: Yeah. So she was actually like taking away from the music take, rather than exactly. adding to it. I yeah. was
1: taking away and I was destroying the beat mm. mostly. And so um, what I did uh, from uh, like the early 2000s was that I stopped playing drum kit for around 10 or uh, around 10 years. Mm hmm. I wasn't really good at it anyhow, <laughs> So, but I wanted to find out uh, and this is not like a conscious choice, like I'm gonna stop for 10 years and then we'll see, it's mm. like I just did it and I went to the school, started playing the tambourine for Bjorn, he taught me a lot of uh, the basic techniques and I just have taken it further from there and the, the most basic principle and thing to understand, as you said, is that within this context of uh, both fiddle, uh, dance, music, uh, Flutes, m- dance music, flute, munharpe, vocal, dance music, mm. anything. Uh, you as a drummer, you you are you are not needed. No, Th- there is no need for you. Mm. For if if the point is to get people to dance, mm. you ha- there there's no purpose for you there. You don't you're not needed to make people dance. If you uh, Look at, f- for example, another music that I studied for a couple years, like uh, Afro-Cuban music, mm. would be really hard without the drums. No, because
0: because it's kind of evolved in the
1: tradition. Yeah, and and the the Afro-Cuban music is drums and vocals. Mm. <laughs> so the melodies there are not as important. They are not the the drivers. You 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 have the rhythmical section driving things, and then the melody flows. They call it. Uh, uh, like sobre la música, so like on top of the music, yeah. So play, play over the music and sing over the music and, and stuff like that. But in in this tradition, we're talking about now like a lot of Scandinavian and and, and Nordic traditions. It's melody driven, as you said. Everything exists in the melody. And I had a workshop with the the great multi instrument Ole Müller oh, uh, when I was is maybe when, my biggest hero. Yeah, <laughs> he's and he said that like guys, because uh, at that time it was. It was uh, just me and another guy playing guitar, so we were guys, and he was like, "You're not needed. remember that <laughs> like, and to and you can hear that, but to actually understand it, mm, I think it's an important a, thing re- to, uh, yeah, to actually uh, and not just, "Oh, yeah, okay, that's cool to know no you have to you have to embrace that and like, mm. okay, so what why, why uh, would it be important for me to play drums? Mm. Well, there is not that much bass in a fiddle there's a lot of room for low notes. Mm. If you want to put f- a fiddle on a really big festival stage, it might sound a little bit small. Mm. But if I so I can add color basically. Mm. I can add uh like audio color <laughs> yeah. to to the fiddle music. But to do that I first have to understand a way to do it without breaking up the flow for the melody player. Mm. So I have to go from a uh, uh, a, a normal sort of drummers if you look at uh, like pop music and also a lot in jazz music it's uh, although there is it's it, it's more a spectrum of like are you the time sort of keeper yeah, I mean
0: jazz can be almost anything
1: these yeah, days, exactly. so it doesn't mean anything anymore <laughs> but are you as a drummer you, you're used to being in a role as a timekeeper and people look to you to sort of keep time and if you're good at uh, on that or not that's another question, yeah. but that's, that's usually the sort of standard role, and that really doesn't work as much within this context. You can do it, but uh, that will limit the possibilities for the melody player to express themselves.
0: So, so what do you see then as your main purpose in the folk music? Like, if it's a jam or a band, Like, how do you see your role as a percussionist in, in this type of like Scandinavian music?
1: Uh, I see myself as a sort of second voice mm. player uh, or, or sometimes melody player. So I play melodies on the drums, even though I don't play the melodies on the drums. Sometimes I play the actual melody on the tambourine mm. or a bass line or something, but the, I'm a follower. I follow the melody player.
0: And so, I, Sorry, I, I think that's like a key difference from what you were touching on with pop music in that... In pop and rock music we're so used to thinking about like these layers of you have like the bass and drums in the bottom layer and then maybe you have some chords on top of it mm. and then the melody usually sits on top and it's not always even necessary for the drummer to have an idea of what the melody <laughs> will finally be no, and, like that's true. <laughs> whereas you can't approach folk music like that at all but as people coming from the outside like as, as drummers as guitar players uh, it, in the beginning it that's how we approach the music, like, as, at least that's how I kind of did it in the first way, in the in the, in the, in the first place. And, as you say, like, you realize it doesn't work <laughs> after a while, you need to really know the melody and, and kind of play the melody, as you say. The difference between or the borders between what's an accompaniment and what's the melody isn't, isn't there in the same way.
1: Yeah, and you also, you, I mean, you can learn the melody, but you also need to know the sort of context that the melody appears in and, and the the tradition that it stems from, mm. uh, and so as a, as a as a drummer, your role is not to be a timekeeper. Uh, in my sense, you can do that also, uh, but the important role to learn, if you're gonna play uh, guitars or piano or drums or anything, to uh, well, to most kinds of Scandinavian folk music at at, at least. That's that's my sort of area that i know most about then you need this role of a, a follower that you can follow the melody mm-hmm. and, and also take the melody and lead the melody that's the, the next sort of step and if you can if you can use those two roles then you can sometimes use them like in in a, in arranging tunes because now i go into this more drummer role that i sort of I, I set the beat here, mm. and you play within that structure, and then I can let loose and I can follow the melody in this part instead. Yeah. So so it it gives more tools uh, to to play with uh, to play with and against and under and on the side of me- the melody. Mm. And for me that took a long time to understand, and I, so for from like 2000 to. Around yeah, around ten years, I was very focused on on that part, and uh, I've uh, after a while. I've I during that time I went to Cuba and I studied that kind of music. I came back and then I started the music college in Gothenburg. Uh, I got bored, and I then uh, Jonas Simonson who's a great musician from the band Grupa, and he's also the head teacher at in Gothenburg. He told me that like, well. Uh, you like Norwegian music, why just take half a year, instead of just quitting school, just take half a year in, school, a year in, in, in Norway, in mm. And That was in 2000, uh, the the spring of 2009, I went to Ullebål.
0: Which is like a music academy in Norway for folk yeah. music?
1: Yeah, I have a very nice special curriculum where you, like you, you are there for one week and then you have three weeks where you sort of meet your masters and you study and then you, you so you meet at the school one week each month. And I lived there, so I had, would be too much freedom for me i think yeah no but and and there i got the opportunity to borrow a hardanger fiddle which was nothing i I didn't plan on that so i started playing hardanger fiddle in in 2009 i hadn't played any fiddle at all before
0: how Uh, old were you when you picked it up
1: uh yeah so yeah around 28 then i guess or Mm. maybe 27 yeah so for me, the idea wasn't to be like a really good hardanger fiddle player. I wanted to understand the melody more. I was still mm. on that sort of quest. Mm. So to understand how the melody is physically being produced, wh- what is the sort of different, uh, how does it feel to play that uh, bowing pattern or that melody? And and then I just f- sort of fell in love with it. And I've been playing uh, two and, and like off and on hardanger fiddle and some fiddle since then. Mm. And this last two years, I've been doing it a lot at the school, and I even had Håkan a haranger fiddle teacher, this last oh. year, and it has helped me al- so much to understand the melody and I how the, me- the like melody. Because
0: the melodies are they're made on the fiddle. Yeah. So it's I suppose it's something about getting an understanding for how where they come from. Uh, I suppose.
1: And also that that the, the dance beat or the beat that. Um, uh, melody play usually, usually so stomping with their with their feet mm. there's a lot of stomping on out going, going on in, in Scandinavia different yeah. kinds of stomping <laughs> and sometimes lots
0: of debates about
1: yeah and sometimes <laughs> sometimes uh, uh, drummers think that they should only focus on the stomp and that's what they're and that's a good place to sort of start your, your quest mm. but you, you can't end there because the, oh. the, the, a melody a folk music melody is uh, something that is uh it, it's up to the player to sort of make it to a living thing.
0: And it's not constant from bar to bar It's either. not constant,
1: and 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 you, you're playing with the dance beat, mm. and you're playing around it, and not all the bowings is just on where you're supposed to put down your feet. No, They're usually on other places. Mm. And so trying to get that into your sort of system so you, you can use it and instead of, because that's all the little things that you destroy when you don't really understand the Basic structure of of the beat, like a polska or a springer, is 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 way harder than, for example, a waltz. It's actually a bit easier to follow for a drummer because it's it's more uh, consistent. Yeah, the, but now we're
0: talking about the the asymmetrical aspect of, of the rhythm. Yeah, yeah, exactly the, that, and also. Can the, you just describe what that means for for people yeah. who don't understand Scandinavian music?
1: Yeah, so so. The, uh, in Sweden, we call it polska, and there's a lot of different kinds of polskas. And in Norway, it's has, and in Sweden, it's also it's called Springlek or Spränglek. And uh,
0: depending on where where you are, or, your, your or
1: pols or finskus pols, it mm. it's pols. Then you move a bit over, and it suddenly it's called Springlek. Yeah. and then suddenly it's called springar. Mm. And but it's kind of this, it's the same kind of dance, and it's in three, and uh, it's. Has a lot to do w- with like where the one is, and also where the second beat appears. And so, so for for me,
0: it's it's. But the thing is, like the 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 beats, they they're not they're equal not, in length. No, which, no, they're which, not. Which, they're which not, is the yeah. strange thing if you're coming from the outside. Yeah, you're not.
1: Uh, so 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 what I wanted to say about that is sort of my main uh, problem when I hear jazz drummers playing folk music uh, is that. It is not uh, syncopation. No. It's the beat. Yeah. Which and can
0: be hard to wrap your head around in, It's not not beginning. hard. It's <laughs> impossible
1: <laughs> oh, for <yeah>. most people <laughs> to wrap their head around. And, and that is what, it's what it's almost it, like a philosophical discussion, yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, so for example, just to, to illustri- illustrate like the uh, uh, like a... a Rodos or a Vermans Polska or something has like a they sometimes call calls it like a short short one. Mm. Uh, so uh, and and that will be like two three one two three one two mm. three. And then it's easy to think that it's one, two, three, one, yeah, two, exactly. three, one, two, three. It's like a shuffle. And, yeah. and think of it like a nine eight rhythm. Mm. And many many people do that and, and, and they uh, then then you sort of, in my opinion, uh, you take away a little bit of space for the melody player. and You force them into some kind of a box. In yeah, a yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and that's what drummers are really good at, forcing people into a rhythmical yeah. box, because that's their job usually. In many genres, yeah. Like, you have to keep people in line. Mm. Uh, if there's a lot of people playing, or if it's just not even a lot of people, just more people than you. But... Uh, so understanding that it's like uh, two, it is the second beat, and if you learn the dance, which mm. is really important, mm. then you feel why it's the second beat, yeah. and you need because playing for dance is is like moving a lot of flesh around, basically. Mm. So You have to push them around because a lot of this dancing is a couple dance, and it goes on. It, it takes uh, it's a circle usually, so you you so, sort of moving forward but always in a circle. Mm. Uh, and you need that sort of movement forward all the time, and then this beat helps you. With like one, two, you get like forward on the second beat. Uh, and understanding that it's not a syncopation is really important. Mm. And it's uh, it's it's super interesting. And there is uh, there's a lot of different opinions on whether this sort of using this the term of like asymmetrical really helps or not. Because, I mean, no one was talking about that uh, way back when, when this music was actually, like, really hip. And everybody uh, was just, that was the only music. Yeah, it was music. just music. That was just music. Yeah. And that was the music that they had to dance with. And they mm. liked it, uh, most people, I guess. <laughs> and and because, uh, like, uh, in the really long time ago, even the church was, like, if, if you, in Sweden, the, they have contracts for when you are... Uh, when you were working in, in the church as a clock which is like the person playing the organ and fixing a lot of stuff around the church, mm. they also had in the contract that you should be able to play to dance. Okay, really? So <laughs> they were paid by the church to play to dance. And then later... The church got uh, all. Uh, yeah, they don't In have a re- the 19th century, they got like, oh no, you can't! It's it's the devil's music. Yeah, in they do not have
0: a reputation as like being a very yeah. positive. But this, about that. Like earlier uh, earlier in the yeah, 18th yeah. century, the, okay. the,
1: hmm. some, uh, the, this is like at least uh, f- from one parish, they uh, they had this contract, but you have to play, be able to play. So to it's, dance. it says
0: something about the how important dance was in the society. Right? Exactly,
1: mm-hmm. and and for now, for for us now, dance is. You have to remember that this music is a social type of music mm. it's it it's it can be on a stage and you can listen to it and that's a newer form of it yes, yeah. that's uh, from like the late nineteenth uh, century basically uh, and then it's it's social part which means that you play music and the whole room sort of mm. starts doing music because mm. when you for me in my head, when you're dancing, you're doing music. And when you're playing music, you're doing that, you're dancing, yeah. So so there's there, there's not really a it's there's not really a divide between that because even when you're uh, w- when you're playing, you're moving your body, you're mm. doing most movement. Mm. Most people do. Some people are really good at being <laughs> super stiff, but uh. but and dancers they make a lot of sound mm. uh, when they're moving around on the floor. And they emphasize beats and like hey, and th- th-
0: they give energy and. It's an interesting synergy between the music and the, and something that even a lot of musicians today, myself included, don't get to experience as often. Like, I mean, jazz used to be dance music. It was, yeah, but like, how music. many jazz musicians play for dancers these days?
1: So yeah, and, and, and learning that how to play uh, uh, for or with or whatever word you want to use, mm. uh, dancing is very important. And uh, I'm actually my, uh, as I said, my master's was a lot about this connection with dance. But I did it in in like a, because uh, I'm I'm still uh, sort of a little bit afraid of like playing percussion music on uh, in like open uh, official capacity for dancing. I can do it. I do it sometimes, uh-huh. but I because I, I have such respect for that for the music, mm. so I really wanted to be. Uh, really sort of grounded and, and i have to know that it's uh, possible to do it so i'm i'm approaching that subject very carefully yeah. <laughs> but uh so so in, in, within the master project i worked with with Silian and only she that da- she was dancing mm-hmm. and in the show both me and her were dancing and she was playing was, so we, we were trying to work with this sort of opening up that sort of divide that you should exist between yeah. like dancer and musician, which I find really interesting.
0: It's a bit of a tangent, but I feel that uh, we have moved so much of music and singing and dancing up on the stage now. That used to just be a, a way for regular people to express themselves. Maybe not playing music was maybe mostly for specialized people, but I mean, people in Scandinavia used to sing a lot more. Like uh, when people got together, they would sing, but these days... We leave the singing to the professionals, um and and even dancing is kind of viewed in the same way now. And I'm not, I'm not saying one thing is better than the other. I'm just saying it's a big change.
1: Yeah, happened. but exactly, and uh, that's a really interesting point. You, we we, we are sort of in a uh, we prof- professionalize everything,
0: mm, and like every folk musician in Norway now has been going to the academy for five years or more. So, but back 50 years ago no one of the fiddlers in Norway had gone to any kind of music school so it's a very different approach to the music obviously from these two groups
1: Yeah, and I think that uh, both here in Norway and in Sweden they are dealing with these issues uh, within the organizations for the folk music, I I think in a pretty good way because it's important to have, I think it's well, I'm biased because I'm I'm working as a professional (laughs) musician but I think it's important to have professional musicians sort of pushing boundaries mm. uh, and uh, and that's not only up to professional musicians amateur musicians do that also within different uh, within their space and uh, both uh, and I think that the social part of it is very 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 important just getting together mm. one day each week learn a new tune play tunes you already know play a little bit from dancing I think that's
0: what, what what I fear sometimes is that like the level of the I'm not saying that it's it's a problem that we have very good musicians or performers of folk music that's obviously a, a great thing but I'm just afraid sometimes that people will get afraid of touching the, the of trying to play themselves or uh, or sing themselves because oh, yeah. because yeah. people and we hear so a lot of the music that we hear these days it's like it's so perfect on TV and back in the days, people would. I like if you ask people today if they can sing, most people will say they can't sing, yeah. which is rubbish. Yeah. But if you ask someone to sing in Norway fifty years ago, like they would sing. Well, that that's my guess anyway. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that was tangent. Another thing I want to to ask you about was um, how do you feel about when it comes to percussion uh, sounds and textures as a percussionist in Nordic folk music, uh, because I mean, especially in Sweden, you see all these folk percussionists with their, like, perc- folk kits. It's kind of developed into a, um, a thing, hasn't it? Like, with certain sounds. Yeah. And and when someone absolutely. plays,
1: like, folk music on a regular drum kit now, it almost sounds wrong in my ears. Yeah, it's... Uh, for some reason, there are... I th- I think I might be totally wrong with this, but I think there's there's been uh, a sort of more exploration... And from uh, percussionists in Sweden that have actually gone like really deep into the music, mm. myself included, and uh, of course, uh, when uh, when they did when did this start? You think? Well, I think it. I mean, it started uh, back in the like uh, around in the seventies mm. uh, when they started playing like some bands started playing a little bit with the rock bands. Yeah. So and, and then also Fila Folket. Uh, uh, was started and they, they play maybe more in the 80s but it's and then of course with Hedningarna and of course Vassen when they it, it took in André Ferrari mm. who is an amazing percussionist and an amazing drummer he's just an abs- a monster of musician like Vasson, Vassen is, was the, is like the uh, the sort of their my, my sort of peak Vassen mm. <laughs> okay. moments with, with, with him because he, he sort of and he used a lot of closely miked drums to, uh, and it, d- it didn't look that it had that many drums or sounds, mm. but he could get so much out of it. And, and, uh, s- uh one student of his, uh, Petter Bandalen, who studied a little bit in the start, at least with, with Andre and then just took his approach to it to a completely new level. Yeah. And Petter is an amazing percussionist and, and, mm. he, and he, developed his little kit and his technique uh, with actually the same tambourine that I use, but he plays it on a snare stand and with a, uh, w- with one stick in one hand usually. Mm. And he uh, he does a lot of different things. He, he's a uh, wonderful human being and uh, absolutely a role model for how you can approach the fact that what I was talking about, about the, your role as a percussionist within the context of, of Scandinavian folk music. He's a, a great, great... Uh, Ambassador for that, mm. and I think that for some reason, I don't really, I don't really know. Of, there are not that many uh, players that have done the same with Norwegian folk music, uh, for f- that I have heard at least. Uh, of course, you have Terje uh, Isingset in both uh, Utla and Grupa, which is uh, he has a really cool style, uh, and he's been playing uh, that sort of. Uh, but he comes in my ears. I, I, I also had Terje. Uh, full disclosure as a teacher for mm-hmm. a year and we had a, a lot of fun so I, I love him and he's, 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 a, he's really like a guru, <laughs> a guru he, he, uh, he sort of uh, it's just nice to be in the same room as him and talk about stuff yeah and but he comes in my ears so a bit more from like the free jazz side or free improvisation side mm. of stuff and brings that aspect into the folk music it feels
0: like to my ears that in Sweden there's been for a good few years now a lot of uh, guitar players and uh, and percussion players coming in to the folk music and really trying to be a part of that sound uh, in a way. Yeah. Whereas they... in Norway, there's been a lot of like fusion projects where uh, people have like kind of mixed folk music with other genres, and and the goal hasn't necessarily be, be uh, the goal hasn't necessarily been to to just play folk music, but to create something new.
1: Yeah, I think that's the first stage that you go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have no. This is not grounded in any sort of research or anything. It's just a sense that I think that uh, maybe Sweden sort of started that sort of process earlier. Yeah, I think <laughs> and so too. And then some people get really interested because we have a sort of guitar players and and uh, drummers. Uh, I I identify as a folk musician. Mm. I I can play normal drum kit and I can play I can play some pop music. I'm not because. I'm not so good anymore at keeping time though because I'm <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm too good at to follow people. But, so so we have people dedicating themselves to the task of understanding the music uh, like Scandinavian folk music or Nordic folk music and uh, I think that there are more and more people like that. I think it's coming more and more here in Norway, also in, 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 Denmark. in Denmark and, and Finland, but I think you're right, Estonia. like
0: a lot of the people who played with folk musicians back in the 80s and 90s in Norway they identified as people playing with folk music, with folk musicians, not as folk musicians themselves. Yeah. Uh, and Co- I often f- count myself in that category a lot too. Like it's as as a non-melody player or n- as a non-traditional instrument melody player, it can be hard to like call yourself a folk musician. It can almost feel pretentious
1: almost. Yeah. It's, uh, I, c- I can totally understand that. For me, it was sort of a way to find my own sound and my own voice was instead of trying to uh, get good at playing jazz, which I, I wa- wa- wasn't that good uh, or I, I I didn't have the confidence to think I was that good at least, and I was more interested in, in folk music also which is, I mean, it, it, that's the most important thing to focus on what you're, if, if that you think is joyful and because uh, there's no money in either of it. So. Uh, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. No, but I, I think I think that um, for me, I, I, it's I really find it interesting uh, that most mm, bands and people here in Norway that play with uh, in my like drummers at mm. least they play with jazz drummers. Yeah, and and and, uh, uh, and I, f- f- in some way, I, f- I find that. A little bit sort of um, sad <laughs> I, in, in a way I really want uh, want the, the the drums to also have th- to be able to uh, to give that music like as I said before, you can give it color and you're not basically needed mm. but it, but if you put the so the normal thing is that there's a, a drummer and that drummer picks up some brushes and plays on the snare drum a bit. Yeah. I'm being very sarcastic here in some way, but that that uh, it's it's very generalized, of course. But it's like okay, I can't really use sticks because that's too loud. I so will mm. take my brushes out. Yeah, because uh, it's definitely a dynamic thing. My kit, I play mostly with my hands, mm. and I play a lot. Tambourine, the tambourine is, is my main instrument still, and that's my main instrument too. That has been my the way I've gone into these tunes, that, that's been the way I've opened doors into mm-hmm. this. and Because I can bring the tambourine everywhere. I can bring it to jams. yeah. And I can get as close as I would have if I was playing fiddle. If I had my... Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. I have to get my drum kit. Wait, I Yeah. And then like, I have to set it up. Yeah, yeah, keep playing. And <laughs> then it's like,
0: that's not going to happen. No, and you, you it's its not easy sitting down at the party or something with like a big kit around you. So Yeah, it's
1: you have a wall. Uh, mm-hmm. But with the, only the tambourine you can get up close, and it can still totally destroy the music. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> that's sure. <laughs> that's not. It's not the tambourine doesn't give you. Uh, you have, still have to know how to mm. to to play it and stuff like that. But uh, so, I'm I'm really hopeful uh, that there's going to be more uh, like that, the f- like percussion plays that get interested because in, there's so much cool stuff happening in. Fiddle music in Norway, mm. uh, also Sweden, uh, Denmark, Finland, Estonia. So many great players. Yeah, days. and it's it's it, it's a lot of interesting rhythmical things that you learn by going uh, into this music. About as we talked about, like the sort of asymmetrical uh, meter, and also the sort of micro. I I I call it uh, like rhythmical intonation mm. that you're. You're able to in intonate rhythmically with another person's sort of uh, rhythmic word yeah. world. Mm. So, and if if I just say like this is the way it's gonna be, it's gonna be like somewhere stiff, or or yeah, and that, that could be a really cool sound. Mm. And it's it's not a. I'm not saying it's bad. No, it's it's it doesn't. Yes, if if the idea is to. Let uh, have the melody player be as sort of free as possible, because you have to remember that a lot of this is actually solo music, especially Norwegian folk music. Yeah, going back to my point in. in Yeah, it's 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 solo music. So Hmm. why are are other things needed? And uh, a a really nice project that I'm a band I'm in now is called GKN Five. Yeah, which is guru. Fifteen SM's uh, co- uh, quintet, and as I said, I
0: had Guru on the podcast a couple of episodes ago. Oh yeah, wonderful. And uh, and we were talking about that, like how the difference between approaching playing folk music in a band as a like a fusion project, yeah, which is totally legit. Like that's yeah. that's one route to go. But but she she um she, the way she described it in Sweden that they had this thing, uh, they they would play together and it would sound traditional, which is kind of what we're describing now.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and she and she. She decided to try to use her uh, background as a hardanger fiddle player, a solo hardanger fiddle player, and she, she kind of searched for a way to do that with more instruments, but not to lose the fact that it's a solo music. Mm. So, and just to make it
0: even more complicated, that kind of hardanger music has a lot of improvisation built into the... Or, There's not a set structure. It's not an A part and a B part. Exactly. And and there's like motive-based music. Uh, Yeah. Which makes it very challenging to to play it in a band. It's
1: like a chain of... um, Chain, a form, like a chain. So this melody comes there, and then it goes on to this, and you don't really know how long she does that. And then So there's a lot of like small visual cues, and suddenly it's like, oh, we're in this part, okay. No. Uh, But our recipe was just to get really really down in so everybody knows the melodies extremely well Mm. Uh, and then uh, and now we are we record our second album and releasing that in the autumn and i think we've gone like from the first album to the second we've gone uh, have been a really good uh, development I'm, i'm i really like playing with with that and, it, and I, 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 that I, I, I play... really
0: liked your first album by the way, like such a cool and oh. unique
1: sound. Like I okay. haven't really heard uh, the Hardanger being played with a band in such a convincing way. And just to be clear, in that project, I only play tambourine and I stopped, which is songs. almost even more impressive. Like, so it's, 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 so it's, it's tambourine and then the guitars and then a clarinet and uh, Nikol Harpa and Hardanger Fidel and Hardang- Hardanger Demore. So uh, and it's it's very melody based and that's the, the sort of setting I, I love being in that setting and for me I've I've, I've another part of of, of my musical uh, sort of experience is also free improvised music that I got uh, in the early two thousands when uh, I went to the school in Bolnas uh, there was a lot of uh, students at the jazz department there that was into free improvised music. And for me, it, in the start, I just felt that they were, like, playing an intro for, forever. <laughs> uh, and then I got into organizing uh, a festival. Uh, it's called Hagenfesten and we, in Dalla Fluda, which uh, has been a very important part of my life. And we did it 10 years in a row, and then we did it every other year until 2018 and right now it's in a bit of a uh, sleeping mode, mm. but it might reappear. And that has been a, a space for free improvised music, folk music, jazz, and uh, different kinds of dance music, and art and poetry uh, during, during like uh, usually five or four days festival in, in Dalla and Dalarna. And there I've met some of the best free improvised musicians in the world. Mm. We have, Taken them to this place, and also I've I was uh, a part of booking folk musicians, so I've had had a lot of the uh, best folk musicians, uh, m- um, a lot of of uh, Swedish ones, of course, but mm. also Norwegians mm. uh, playing. And from that festival, there has, has been a lot of collaborations happening, like um, me and uh, Olav Luxingor Mjelva from from Sver, We did, or actually, Olav brought me into that project that he had with a an amazing singer called Sofia Mm Janberg from from Stockholm. She also lived in Oslo for a a long time. She's a a superb singer uh, and a great composer uh, within the sort of pre-improvised and uh, new music scene. Mm -hmm. And she did a project with the Trondheim Trondheim, uh, Jazz Orchestra uh, where they used Olafs instrumental music, both from... Uh, Røros and from Hallingdal, mm. which is one region is uh, normal fiddle, that's the Røros tradition, and then Hallingdal is Hardanger fiddle, which is the national instrument of Norway. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the, the the playboy fiddle, we call it. <laughs> so pimped up. <laughs> uh, and it's, um, there was a really interesting project uh, with 11 musicians, and the, 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 it was uh, arranged by three uh, of the sort of persons coming from. Sophia arranged and alexander setson a pianist also arranged some music and i can't remember the third person who did it but and in, in that context uh i still couldn't get people to understand that it was not a syncopation so th- <laughs> yeah talking they, so about they, the beat, yeah so they were still you could still see the feet going straight mm. when the music wasn't like that but and and for and I mean you have a certain amount of time in those kind of projects. You're like okay, we have to put that aside. And you're yeah. To, True. Yeah. So so it's. Uh, but for me, for, free improvisation has been a really important uh, tool, especially in when in my when I practice myself okay. to find sounds. Uh, yeah. Maybe I don't use th- that free improvisation in when I'm playing, but in my head I'm uh, always improvising when when I play. Mm. I I. That's my starting point, or like I always improvise. Usually, if if there's a tune that I've know, like if I, if you play, pang, for example, with Svea, that with like the first tune we made. Okay. I have like some ideas that are sticking that I follow, mm-hmm. but I don't really know how I get to those points. No. So there's always an improvisation, and so improvisation is super important for me. And these last years, I've been. Uh, focusing on that in my masters and finding uh, like old recordings with different uh, versions of the same tune by the same player has been really cool because you can hear that they play differently. Some some play really the same, yeah. and some people are like what? they are just. Suddenly, this part is over there, and it starts there, and it, uh, it yeah, loops this. there's no rules, really. No, there's no rules, <laughs> and 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 that is very connected to dance. The dance way of dancing, because the dancing is like you learn a couple of uh, first basic steps, and then you maybe you learn some sort of uh, things that you can do. Mm. But there's not like okay, this is first, and then comes this, and then comes that. No. Like, you start, you have to improvise that. Mm. And usually in this couple dance, there's someone leading and someone's following. Yeah. In the same way as the melody, I feel. Okay. So in yeah. some way, you can also connect the sort of following role to the dance. Because <clears throat> it, it's not, it, you're not just a, a piece of cloth that someone drags around the dance floor. No. You're there and you're dancing, but someone is leading the dance usually. Yeah, and, and you're
0: re- you're responding to it in a way.
1: Yeah. And so when I'm playing drums, I, also think of myself in that role, uh, in in for example
0: the fiddler is leading the fiddler the is
1: leading music. and oh. I'm following oh, a in, in that in, in in kind of the same in same way because mm-hmm. that's the quite, quite similar as a like second voice or, or oh, a a nice. voice player. Yeah, sure. So uh, also within this free improvisation uh, sphere, I've been doing solo concerts. My first solo concert was at will Grip, the sort of founder of Hagenfesten, uh, a really amazing uh, composer and human being, artist and uh, double bass player. He lives in Berlin now with his family. Mm. And uh, he has said, yes, you're going to have a solo concert. I have uh, It's okay, 30 minutes, just do it. <laughs> Which is quite a long and I, of time. Uh? <laughs> I think I played 20 minutes. I thought I played for like five hours. Yeah. I I, I, I could not, I don't think I could see anything after I was I couldn't talk to anyone. I was totally drained.
0: Okay. It was to it, me, like I, I play very few solo concerts because I'm kind of coming from the the a band world into like folk music. Yeah. But for me, like people who are doing folk solo concerts, it's just so impressive to me because even like the difference between doing a duo concert and a solo concert is miles apart in my, my opinion. Yeah. Because like, you can different. you can share the spotlight and you can look at each other and, and interact with each other whereas if you're alone on your stage all the responsibility is on you all eyes are on you and yeah it's, it's i'm really impressed <laughs> of yeah, it, people who, who
1: do it well but it's also freedom because you can and i'm I'm a musician in a uh, that is very very bad at sort of playing something correctly so i'm not the best like classical uh, <laughs> percussion player although mm. i love playing classical uh, act- I don't get any opportunities now to do it, but I might try to start again. But so I, I've been—I'm um, really good at using my sort of errors mm. that I do into something positive. And when you're playing solo, you have more space for that. Yeah. Uh, and so my solo concerts has been mostly been with just a tambourine, and eventually, like the last year, I, I started calling them tambourine baths (laughs) so you are welcome to come in and you have you will be bathed in tambourine (laughs) for an hour (laughs) and you can sit uh, you can lay on the floor Mm. you can sit on a chair you can walk around you can dance if you want to Mm. i will be sitting in the middle and i will be playing tambourine for an hour Uh, and so it's uh, it's uh, you get i get into some sort of uh, i I get very uh, present that's mm. and that's what i like with with music that i everything else in the world uh stops existing for a while and like it's only yeah, that's, about that's that's
0: a goal isn't it when you're playing music to be able yeah. to yeah
1: so so you can focus on only the sound that is and when you're playing with other people you always have to You listen to everybody oh. are you correct are you in time mm. how we're doing how it all is doing everything is so but when i'm when i'm playing those solo concerts yeah. Usually, when I get into the right flow, mm. there is nothing. I don't really look at the audience. That's I'm not there to look at audience for me. I'm there. It's 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 very personal and it's very. Uh, I want I want to draw them into listening to the sound like yeah. intensely. Mm. Uh, and I use a tambourine with a microphone and an, uh, a bass amp. And after a while, I turn it into like a feedback uh, thing, and you can. Uh, push the feedback and you can release it and you can play different notes and sing with it. And it's, it's a really it's a meditative sort of experience. Uh, I didn't want to call it a tambreed meditations because uh, it, it sort of had the wrong... I, I really like that. Because a friend of mine, actually, Yule Grip's mother, she's a yoga teacher also. Okay. And she has gong baths. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she has uh, two big gongs and you lie on the floor huh. in her yoga studio and she just plays the gong like hits it, and you just you're in that, and so so that was the I oh uh, that was the sort of idea for that sort of concept, hmm. and I really uh, enjoyed I, doing I, that. I have to try it one time. Yeah, <laughs> so so uh, I, I I've I've um. Amazing, you,
0: I- you're not doing them these
1: days. My idea was to do them each month, the whole spring, but that sort of didn't happen the window, because yeah. of uh, the whole uh, COVID situation. Uh, but I did one in uh, December and also in in February at least. Mm. Uh, so so that's uh has been like a sidetrack for me for several years. And the master's project was a a, a way of sort of putting the spotlight on the solo p- my solo playing f- mm. for a change. And so so now I actually have like a, a show that I'm developing that it's going to be hopefully be presented maybe next autumn great uh with uh, with Silja also as a dancer and me as a, a drummer so th- I'm really looking forward to cool. working more with that
0: speaking of sidetracks uh I see we're already way over an hour uh, but I want to make sure that we get to talk about your one one of your newest projects which is uh the folk music academy yeah which uh I'm very curious about I've seen a lot of snippets on social media from you and and your um partner, or well, not partner in that way, <laughs> but your business partner uh, and bandmate, Ola Mjelva. Yeah. Um, the way you're like making this very, very thorough course, video course, about uh, Nordic and Scandinavian folk music, uh, it, nothing like that has ever been done on this scale, I think, before. So it's really, just tell us about,
1: you're launching very soon, aren't you? Yeah, uh, we're actually launching exactly a week from this recording on the 1st of July, the, in the year of the Lord 2020. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, no... Great year. Th- yeah, <laughs> great year. <laughs> well, in some ways, it's it's a different year, at yeah, least. Yeah, that's the, for sure. The most different year. So, the Folk Music Academy has been a, a topic of mine and Olav's in the, like, the tour car, because mm. usually... Uh,
0: it's, it's like one of those ideas that you talk about, but you never get around to
1: do it. Yeah, exactly. And oh. uh, we've been talking about this now for, yeah, almost we got to know each other in, in 2009 and we, I think we've been talking about it for at least 10 years almost mm. back and forth and back and forth and never really gotten into it because uh, we have both been on tour a lot uh, and doing other stuff and then Olaf sort of just started applying for grants uh, maybe two years ago mm-hmm. I wasn't that part of that process I, I all, we always been uh, like talking about the ideas both of us but then he, he we got some some grants to start uh doing filming so we put all the energy into getting as many uh, uh like musicians filmed
0: so you brought in like musicians from all, all over Scandinavia and like we brought, have
1: them film
0: uh, lessons basically yeah
1: so. we brought them to Raros, uh or uh, to the olav's uh, studio in Os, uh which is the Dala Kopa studio actually mm-hmm. uh, bent studio that Olav is also a partner in now uh, and we started filming them and it's been a, a learning process uh, as that that learning curve has been like the steepest I've been. Can you imagine, yeah. Uh, not knowing anything about like aperture or light or white balances or I knew how to sort of edit videos before that, but I've learned a lot of... Because so, Olaf he is like in charge of filming it and I edit the videos and post and it takes a long time because we really want it to be very, very uh, instructive, and it's it, it's from a uh, perspective of uh, even if you're a really advanced player, mm. you might not have to watch through the whole video because no. you might get the tune uh, in the uh, after like one or two rounds, mm. and that's that's fine. Mm. Then you can get a lot of tunes. But if you really want to know wh- how uh, that musician thinks about that little part, yeah. about that double stop, about that drill, or uh there's a, a lot of information that sort of just pops up in uh when, when they are trying to describe something. Mm. Uh so that's that's what I
0: think looks very promising about the project is that it's not just scratching the surface, it's really going deep into all of these. It's going things. really
1: deep. Uh, and it's uh, we are trying to facilitate a space for people that can't if you if you like from the person that maybe have a fiddle or um a guitar or uh, a accordion or something like at home and and just want to learn some tunes mm. and you don't really know how to play that much we want to be able to be a space for, for that kind of person Rich. up to the like uh to the professional musician that are f- say that you are from uh, uh from Helsinki mm. and you want to learn some Swedish tunes yeah or you are from uh, you are from Fagernas in Valdres which is one specific sort of valley where they have they have their dialect. You want to learn some tunes from Tovdal. Mm. then you can also use the site for that. So, so it, it, we wanted to 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 be we wanted to be a tool basically.
0: And these videos will be available on the website as a subscription model. That's that's the yeah, idea. Yeah,
1: yeah, we are we are starting calling it kind of like the the Netflix of folk music learning. <laughs> Oh, that's a great idea. Because because uh, you subscribe for it, uh, and the longer periods you subscribe for, the the less you pay, of course. Okay. And then uh, we wanted to be a to create hopefully like a, a a bit of an active community around it. So we the the choice because in the start now it has been the choices of me and Olaf on who to film, mm. and we don't really want it to be like that. No, because our perspectives of in the same way, that I've been talking about how you listen to music. It's your cultural luggage that you listen with. Exactly. And I, wa- I really want it to be uh, driven by the people using the site. So we are paying close attention to all comments that we receive on Facebook. And we're trying to find ways on how to uh, really to communicate with the people using the site. Mm. So we can make it very for for them. Yeah. Uh and hopefully it's gonna be a, a like a vast uh, diversity of people using it. Yeah. Uh like I already know that uh even like world musician like like um Mike Marshall is interested in it because he wants to learn some Nordic tunes, yeah. like a really amazing mandolin player. And and so so I and if we can sort of facilitate both the people that uh are really new to music or mm. f- new to folk music uh, and uh, the intermediate up to the real advanced. I think that would be uh, amazing. And we're trying to find ways to have it to be uh, like at least maybe one time each week or one till each other week. It's going to be some sort of masterclass uh, on some sort of uh, online digital mm. um, um, forum, like, mm zoom probably but we're not really sure yet cool uh and it's it's really exciting and it, it's 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 been really fun because uh, as i say i have a degree as a music teacher so i could bring in uh and olav has been teaching a lot in workshops so yeah he, so he knows that sort of setting mm. and i know the setting more also like a, a classroom and even even though this is not a classroom with a lot of people it's uh, virtual uh, classroom yeah so, so we've been thinking a lot about sort the pedag- uh, pedagogical process on how people present the tunes mm. and we r- and we try to get them uh, mm. get the musicians that we bring in uh, most of them have been doing a lot of master classes and stuff too, so they're really, really good at uh, uh, sort of pinpoint. Issues and showing stuff that Still mic- are like are like hidden mm. uh, if you're not really uh, so so there, there's a lot of like secrets that yeah. you, that you can learn from just uh, hearing them talk about the way they they, they do it. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, sounds... and a lot a lot of technique videos, uh, how to tune the haranger fiddle, yeah, how to <laughs> tune a nickel harpa, exactly. how to like hold it while you're standing, stuff like that. So mm. it's uh it's a um, it's, it's it's it has been a lot of fun and the whole corona situation this spring uh, uh, freed up enough time <laughs> to so we could make yeah, m- it, launch sounds it now. really
0: ambitious um,
1: so uh, it's going to be a fun it has been a fun journey it's going to be even more fun now when we're launching when, when are you launching on the 1st of july uh, so we, next week mm and uh,
0: where can people learn more if they want to sign up or yeah they
1: they can go to uh, the folk and check it out from there and we're also on our main like social medias are Facebook and uh, Instagram and there's also a YouTube uh, account but we're not really active on that yet but we we will be
0: great so really looking forward to to see learn more about that
1: yeah and uh, the the, this podcast is also part of the same sort of, I feel, the same uh, idea and uh, sort of long-term idea, for, for us at least, is t- to uh, facilitate for people to easier get, get uh, so they can dive into the folk music. Mm. So this is a great way to, to meet uh, people mm. and to sure. learn about musicians. Uh, and uh, I'm really happy that you're doing this. I've been thinking about exactly the same thing for for <laughs> it's, many it's years. It's one of those
0: things that that you were saying, like you, you think about it for so long, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there with an empty calendar and yeah. But I think uh, it's and amazing, time, so. and it's uh,
1: for for folk music as a uh, thing, as a scene. Also, it's it's really good for other people to be able to get a glimpse in into exactly into
0: it. because like we were talking before the recording about how a lot of like interviews with folk musicians are very surface based. Like you try to get out some story about something that happened that everyone can relate to. But the idea with this podcast and in a way I suppose your academy as well is like to, to dive really deep and and like in a way speak to the people in the scene. In one way, and but also people from outside the scene can get a glimpse of, of us in the scene in a way. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so kind of. Um, in the I was a bit worried about being too nerdy on this podcast, but I've kind of put that aside now and uh, just focusing on having great conversations about interesting topics. And I think that will draw the right people in.
1: Yeah, so. I guess I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm uh, really happy that you wanted me to come here and. and and talk about my uh sort of journey in, in this uh, in this world uh, and uh, i I just hope that uh, a lot of people that want to just check it out um the folk music podcast I think it's a, an amazing uh idea and uh, the, the 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 things I've heard uh yet has been amazing so Great, thank you thank you for having me. Thanks again, and big thanks to Riksen for letting us using
0: the venue to this do this podcast. Yeah. And uh, let's go out in the sun.
1: Yay! <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> thanks.
0: Okay, so I really enjoyed this chat with uh, Jens Linnell. I think he has uh, some great insights and uh, views on folk music. And I definitely gained some new perspectives after this conversation. And to me, that is the whole point uh, of why I'm doing this show to be able to learn from other people in the folk music field, uh, and I hope that you can learn something as well from listening to these conversations. Um, so as usual, I always treasure feedback from you guys, uh, positive or ne- or negative, um, uh, yeah, that, that always makes my day whenever someone tells me that they, they've been enjoying the show. So you can get in touch. Uh, in any way you want really but you can use the email address thefolkmusicpodcasts at gmail.com or you can um, you can get in touch via social media um, so I'm just going to run through the usual plugs <laughs> follow the Folk Music Podcast at uh, Instagram and Facebook uh, and uh, you can also sign up for the email newsletter via the website at thefolkmusicpodcast.com <laughs> Okay, so um, that's it for this week's episode. I'm looking forward to next week because I have another one uh, lined up that I've been looking forward to for a while. So uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you guys. So I'll leave you in the suspense. (laughs) Uh, But I'm looking forward to see you next week for the seventh episode of the Folk Music
2: Podcast.
1: Take care.